0: You don't see those too often. This Charlene, I think it's Charlene Darling says, that song makes me cry, Paul. You guys don't know what I'm talking about, but that's okay. If you don't know what I'm talking about, ask your parents or your grandparents and they'll know what I'm talking about. Stand with me, if you will, for the reading of God's Word. Thank you, guys. We'll be reading in James chapter 3. And actually going into verse 12 of chapter 4, so a little bit of a longer reading, but uh, bear with me as we read through this. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds, and the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motive so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulteresses, do do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. But he gives a greater grace. Boy, isn't that a good... Scripture in the midst of this, he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Lord, bless your word, multiply it in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. You ever suffer from information overload? You get too much information, you just, it just overwhelms you. I can remember several years ago, Terry and I, of course, all we had was boys, and, and we had to go to a girl's birthday party, and we had to buy a Barbie doll. And so I went to Walmart, and they had like a wall of Barbie dolls. And I can remember standing in front of that thing saying, "What and how do you choose, because they all look the same to me. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm giving me my, my male perspective. You know, sometimes information just overwhelms us. You know, we go, we go to the re- restaurant and there's too many items on the menu to pick from. <laughs> you know, that's why there's a popularity with restaurants like Chipotle and, and with Canes because they just do one thing and they do it well. Or Chick-fil-A, you know, you don't, you don't have all these choices. And sometimes it's better to have less choices on a menu. Amen. <laughs> As men say that about your wives, if that's about, and wives say that about your wives, if that's them. I know when I go to the restaurant, I never pick. I never choose. I just wait for the waitress or the waiter to come, and I just let the Spirit move within me on what to order. You know, sometimes we can be overwhelmed by information, uh, but, but we live in an information age. Uh, some of you uh, today read the Scripture. Who read the Scripture on a smartphone? Who, who had it out Nobody? Okay, it's Josh. Okay, a few. You know, we, we live in an information age. Now, I'm just old enough to remember prior to the information age, you know, I'm 52 years old, so I remember black and white TVs. <laughs> uh, we didn't have a color TV till I was 13 or 14, and so I remember black and white TV. We, we didn't have cable. I remember three channels. We, we didn't even have rabbit ears because we lived out in the country, so we had the, the, the antenna tower. And so, you know, we used to have a motor on it, but when the motor would burn out, we'd have to climb up the tower if we wanted to watch Cincinnati TV or Indianapolis TV. Uh, you know, I can remember TV, remember when TV used to go off? <laughs> uh, they'd play the, the, the Star Spangled Banner and be, <laughs> you know, I told the kids that the other day, I said, you know, TV used to go off at night, and they went, no way. <laughs> You know, when I started practicing law, computers were just becoming in, into being the personal computers uh, that they use. And so in, in my law practice, the, the lawyer that I was working for had gotten actually the first computer they had ever had uh, when, when I came to work with him. You know, copiers weren't there, so they had to use those carbon papers. So technology, information, and even as I've spoken, you, you, you could read the scripture that, that I've given you today, you could read it on your phone, you could look at commentaries, you could watch podcasts, you could hear hundreds of sermons just on your phone on the passage that I just read to you today. It's, it's an amazing day, the information that we can obtain. We live in the information age. Uh, we'll, we'll go to Guatemala next month, and in Guatemala they don't have glass in their windows, but every person will have a cell phone. <laughs> It's an amazing age. But even though we live in an information age, we are not necessarily wiser. Amen? I got a picture to prove it. <laughs> yeah, how did this guy get in this thing? You know, we, we were debating whether he came from the top or the bottom. And, and, and the humor of it is, somebody probably took this picture on this guy's smartphone. Um, we live in an information age, but we are not necessarily wiser. And, and, and we see it all the time. Uh, We see all sorts of instances and and sometimes we even experience in our life where where even though we have the information we don't make absolutely the the wise choice. So the issue is not obtaining information but applying meaning to the information. And and James uses the word wisdom in this passage And, and I think most of us would acknowledge that there is a difference between knowledge and wisdom. There's a difference between uh, getting information and applying the information. Here, here's a couple simple definitions from the internet so we know they're right. Uh, knowledge is the acquaintance with facts, truths, and principles as from study or investigation. So this is, this is knowing things. Knowledge is knowing things. Knowledge is obtaining information. And then wisdom is this. Wisdom is the knowledge of what is true or right coupled with just judgment as to action. In other words, knowledge is having information and perhaps even having correct information. But wisdom is taking that true and correct information and applying it in the way that we live our lives. Practically applying it in life. I wrote it like this. Wisdom is practically applying true information to achieve a better way of life. All of us have known people who are wise, but don't have a great educational background, right? Amen? <laughs> don't look around at anybody, okay? And, and all of us have known people that have a lot of knowledge that aren't too wise. And don't everybody's looking at me now, okay? That makes me feel awkward. My dad is one of the wisest guys I've ever known. But, but I believe dad has used the phrase with me, he liked 8th grade algebra so much he took it twice um, and, and I think that's mean they didn't do so well uh, I, I believe the phrase my dad because I, I believe he didn't get his high school diploma he got a GED in the Navy I believe that the way dad phrased it was he was released on his own recognizance from, from school and then in the Navy he, he got his GED and uh, you know but my dad is one of the wisest men I've ever been around Uh, you know the way he deals with people the way he deals with life he just deals with things in a wise manner so so we all have met people who are book smart and people that the phrase you sometimes use is street smart the ability to get along the, the ability to live in a different way and James is talking about wisdom, not in terms of the amount of information or knowledge that we have, but applying that information, whatever it might be, in a true and wise way, in a proper way. You know, the focus of, of James' book in and, and this passage is, is wisdom and and really James looks more like an Old Testament wisdom book than any other book in the New Testament. It, it's, it's, it's almost as if we're reading a New Testament Proverbs. And James focuses on wisdom and he focuses how wisdom is not information necessarily, but taking the information we have and applying it in a way that leads to an effective life. That this isn't about the volume of knowledge that you have, but it's about taking the knowledge and the information you have and using it proper, properly. Properly, Tr- truthfully, and I and I I mentioned this in the first service, and I, I hesitate to say it again, but I, I think it's true. Truthfully, you've probably got enough Bible information to last your lifetime. The question is whether you are taking that Bible information and truly applying it in your life. Does does that mean we stop studying? No. But I hope we take what we know and use it. James is saying, wise people live differently. You know, we've went through... Three chapters and we're in the fourth chapter and I think James is getting to his point here. He's getting to an urgent message and, and you can you can hear it in the way he conveys the message, how he writes this. You know, some pretty strong language. Cleanse your hands, sinners. <laughs> it should shock us. It should wake us up. And, and I believe James is getting to the center of his message and he's saying, wise people live Differently. I want you to know whoever you are wherever you've come from you have enough information in your life right now to live wisely Okay? is there more information to gain can we learn more from God's word can, can we grow more in our knowledge yes but we have whatever information we have in our mind now is enough to live wisely with what we've got now, now, from James' perspective, I, I, I think I, you, you see this as we have went through the, 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 the readings over the past few weeks. He, wise people approach trials differently. Wise people respond differently to temptations. Wise people listen better. Wise people act on what they believe. Wise people treat people better. Wise people control their tongue. All these things that James has been talking about are the characteristics of wise people. And it's not about the volume of knowledge, but it's how they interact with other folks. Wisdom is not knowledge, but wisdom is illustrated by how we live our lives. Now when we see the word wisdom in the Bible, it's not simply about about receiving information but but biblical wisdom is theocentric this is this means it is is God-centered so so from if we're going to consider this passage from how James intended it to be received and if we're going to consider this passage how James is wanting us to hear it James is talking about a wisdom that is God-centered not human-centered not person-centered not people-centered so I wrote it like this, wisdom is God's way practically applied in my life. In other words, God has a way of life for you and for me. And wisdom is when we take God's way and we practically live God's way. It's not just giving word service to it. It's just not talking about it, but, but it's taking what God says and living it. God's, God's way can be found in the Bible. Uh, I believe God's way can be found in a community of believers as they read the Bible together. I believe God's way can be given to us through conviction and through direction by the Holy Spirit. God gives His way, His revelation in a lot of different ways. But, you know, we, we use the Bible kind of as the basis to look at, at what God is establishing as His way. And then James gives what I believe are some practical application points some scriptures that can help us examine our lives and before we go through these scriptures I don't want to create any false guilt okay so so if if you're hearing something from pastor that that's true I, I'm Lord right now may, may your spirit work beyond my words I'm not trying to create false guilt but, but I'm using the passages just what the scripture says and I believe these are checkpoints that James gives us that helps us understand whether we're living our lives in a wise way. Verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. Bitter jealousy. Do you resent others? Now, be be honest. I mean, James is inviting us to be honest. Do you resent others? If, If you were going to do an inventory of your past week, how much of your past week was spent thinking about what someone else had or what someone else did and was there resentment? Are your needs and desires the only thing that you're concerned about? The only thing that matters is that my needs are met. See, these, these are the practical questions that James are asking. Verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. Asking, is your life full of chaos and confusion? Now, now I want to be very careful here. We live in a chaotic world. Amen. There is confusion all around. But I also believe this. That God can place in the life of a believer, someone living his way, a state of order and stability even in the midst of chaos and confusion. You know, life can be a mess. and, And we've all met that person where their life, everything's going haywire. But in the midst of this stands this person that demonstrates steadiness and control in the midst of confusion and chaos. So, so I don't want to create any false guilt. Maybe things are going haywire at work and things are going... And, and I'm not trying to, 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 to create some false sense of guilt. But I believe the Spirit. Do, do we still believe the Spirit speaks? I believe the Spirit can still take these words and, and help us. You know, you know, sometimes we feel... And, and, and maybe... You know, I always assume people come from the, the same background that I have. You know, I've been in the church. I, I knew about God before I knew about anything. And, uh, and some of you say, well, you don't know about anything any- now, so you're, you're doing well. But, you know, I've known about God. God you know, the church has always been a part of my life. And, and there's languages and thoughts and ways that we think in the church that, that maybe you're not familiar with. But, but we believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and active. And, and the Holy Spirit can speak within us. And sometimes what happens, and you know I've had this happen to me in church where I've been sitting and I just feel something, you know, my stomach begins to get a little queasy. (laughs) We always use the phrase, Steve, did you ever use the word here like this called conviction? (laughs) And conviction isn't a bad thing, it's a good thing. It's a way God gets your intention and says, hey, you know, this isn't right and there's something better for you. So as I say these things... What I want you to pay attention to is not what I'm saying, but what's the Holy Spirit saying within you? Is the Holy Spirit speaking to these things? Verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. Let me ask, is your life marked by purity? I mean, if we could pull a curtain back and look at the inner life, the hidden life? Not, not Sunday morning, but, you know, Monday evening. Is your life marked by purity? Would you be proud? Does, does the Holy Spirit ever speak to you in that area? Is your, your life consistent with the Word of God? Is your conscience clear? Let me ask you a second one. Are you easy to get along with? <laughs> Husbands and wives don't elbow each other, Okay. Seriously, are you, are you easy to get along with or are you someone that there's always a little bit of strife? Are you self-controlled or do you easily fly off the handle? Just so you know, these, these are questions I have to ask myself and, and some of these I don't feel as great about as others. Anybody else with me? <laughs> Can you listen to someone else's opinion? It has to be reasonable. Are you able to listen to anyone else's opinion? Are you teachable? Folks, I believe this. Wise people are teachable their entire life. I think one of the wisest conclusions you can come to in your life is that you don't know everything and other folks may know something. I think wise people approach every relationship, no matter what the relationship is, with the understanding and the belief that they can learn something from that other person. Are you teachable? Can you listen to someone else's opinion? Are you compassionate with people, particularly people who have failed you? Are you compassionate with people in the church? You know what i found, and it's, it's been kind of a, an eye-opening thing. So, sometimes the people we're less compassionate with are the people that love us most. So, you know, in this place, we love each other, we know each other, but when someone fails you, and, and if you live in relationship with someone in, in close proximity with doing something that matters to both of you, guess what? At some point, they are fail you. They'll misstep. It may not be intentional, they may not do it on purpose, but but, but they may, they're going to fail you. Are you compassionate? Are you forgiving? Do you apply a higher standard to others than you do yourself? Now I think the perfect example of this for me and for others in this room is driving. (laughs) You know, people that don't use signals drive me crazy. Guess who's the first not to use a signal from time to time? But I make up for it by using it when I'm not supposed to be using it. <laughs> I mean, do you apply a consistent standard? Uh, verse 3, of, of ch- or first ch- 1 of chapter 14, 4. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that r- wage war in your members? Let me ask, is there an undue amount of conflict in your life? Do you guys remember what, what was the pig pen? Remember pig pen? And Charlie Brown, pig pen used to have that dust that followed him everywhere. Does conflict just tend to find its way around you? That wherever you go and, and, and maybe say, well, Pastor, it's not my fault. <laughs> you ask. And do not receive because you ask with wrong, wrong motives so that you can spend it on your pleasures. Ask, can, can you accept no for an answer from God or others? Sometimes God says no, and it means keep asking. Sometimes God says no, and it means no. C- can you accept that? C- can you accept a closed door from God? You know, I, I think it's important and, and I know these are hard questions or can be hard questions and and, and I understand that you know that the, the possibility of, of emotionally wrangling and, and manipulating and I don't want to do that I want us to be, just be honest where we're at Th- this has got to be a place where we honestly evaluate ourselves folks if, if we can't be honest with who we really are and what we need God to do in our life we're, we're never gonna get anywhere are we and, and so I think this has to be a place and this has to be a time where, where we're just honestly examining our own hearts and and how do we line up with what James is saying two weeks ago we were coming back from Myrtle Beach and, and um, I was putting gas in the car and and I just happened to glance back and I think it had to be intentional and there was a razor blade in in the tread and it had been pushed in far enough so you had about that much gap in the tread and so we had to call the um, car rental place and they had to come out and change it for us and all that stuff but, but I thought man how, how dangerous was that if, if we'd have got you know we we're getting ready get on the highway we'd be going 70 miles an hour through those those mountains you know who knows what would have happened um, maybe just a flat tire but who knows You know, some of you may be dealing with a razor blade in your (laughs) tread. And and life's going to hit in the next few weeks and, and, and everything's just going to blow apart. And part of the issue is you've just not submitted your will to God. You've not taken what you've known and you've not taken God's way and applied it to your life. See, see the good news, James seems harsh. I'll be honest as you read this and you listen. James seems very harsh, but he's not. Verse 7, submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable, mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. What's James saying? James is saying, you know, this is important enough to be serious about. This is so important that it's worth worth laying at an altar on your face and crying. Because you're heading for a disaster. You know, all that James says here, all that he's talking about, this weeping, it's it's not about avoiding hell. You know, we believe in heaven and hell, but James doesn't even get into heaven and hell. He's talking about living wise lives now. And, and, and it's worth living to, to, to find that life that's God's way, God's manner of living, to find that. It's worth being broken before him. Humbled, weeping. Mourning. I wrote down self-examination and a proper response leads to real life. In other words, if, if we're living less than what God has in mind for us, as we examine ourselves, we let go of ourselves, and we allow God to take primary place in our life, it, we can somehow find real life, and this is important enough to be broken about. James says at the beginning of his book, I'm a slave to God. That's how James identifies himself. A slave to God. And that means not my will, but your will. Not, not my way, but your way. Not, not what I want, but what you want. And on this Sunday morning, we're going to close with some altar time. It's it's ten till noon. This is a short message stand with me if you will, Amy come and play I just think that I think I'm going to pray for a few minutes first before I lead us in prayer I I think we just need to spend some time in prayer maybe it's some of the things we've talked about, maybe it's your tongue and maybe it's temptation or maybe it's trials that you're going through and and you just need God to touch you maybe it's just this ideal of who's on the throne who's number one Who's calling the shots? We serve a jealous God. If He's not, as the song says, if He's not Lord of anything, everything, He's not Lord at all. And God is calling us to this place where He's number one. That we allow His word, we allow His spirit, we allow the community of faith to kind of guide us and shape our life. And this isn't about heaven or hell. This is about life right now, folks. So we're going to spend a few minutes. I, I, I'll let you know when to, to be seated. I'm going to come down and pray. All heads bowed, all eyes come closed. If, if you want to come forward, come forward quickly. Um, will be seated or you can be seated I'm going to come and pray for a few minutes and then and then I'm going to lead us in prayer in about five minutes but spend some time talking to God I kind of feel pressed this morning. I don't know why. I did in the first service as well. Look at me in just a second. You know, I think sometimes we get this ideal of the Christian walk as being about somehow if I can just skate into heaven, that, that somehow if I can just live good enough that at the end, you know, so it's, it's all about just kind of measuring up. And I think James is inviting us to a different way of thinking that it's not just about getting to heaven, but it's finding real life now. And can I tell you, you'll never find that life apart from James, a slave of God. I know it's it's not probably popular to use phrases like slavery now. (laughs) You know, we don't think like that. But I want you to know that as a slave to God you find out what it means to really live. To learn a new way of life. It's not like you used to live. It's not like your neighbors live. It's how God would have to live. Pray with me. Lord, I love you. And I'm thankful, Lord, that um, you never have given up on me. Lord, there's been times that I have failed, that I've not been faithful, that I've not been true to you. But Lord, I'm glad I serve a God who has never failed, who is always faithful, who is always true. Your love never ends. And Lord, in my wanderings and my failures and my shortcomings your Holy Spirit has pursued. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So no one can boast because salvation comes from God alone. So Lord, we give you praise today that each of us have strayed, each of us have went our own way but in your grace, you invite us back into the fold. Not not merely as as debtors, Lord, but but Lord, we're invited back into your house as children, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. As we give ourselves to you, as we give ourselves away, Lord, we find life, real life. So help us, Lord. Lord. To keep our eyes on you. Lord, may we take this as serious as James suggests. It's worth crying for, it's worth being broken for, it's worth giving everything for. And Lord, may we live your way and your will. Now, Lord, be with each person that's been here today. Lord, bless them, uh, keep them, draw them. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will do a work uh, that, that I could not do. Lord, if anything I've said has been wrong, Lord, remove it from their memory. But Lord, may you continue to indwell us and change us and move us. And Lord, as we go from this place, may we be the church, bringing glory to you in all that we do, loving, shining, being salt and light, And I give you praise, Father, for what you've done and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless.